you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast, presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, sounds like Cousin Shane's getting Ooh. that vacation rolling. <laughs> That's right, baby. Uh, a lot of Cerveza and Grubhub coming my way. <laughs> well, uh, for the listeners, I wanted to let you guys in on a, a little bit of, uh, you know, behind the scenes. I was supposed to make my way down to old uh, Morristown there to hang out with Cousin mm-hmm. Shane on watch the playoff games, but... Left me at the altar. I bailed, but guess what, Shane? Karma paid me a visit on January 2nd. This is a true story. I just, I had to share this because uh, I thought the listeners would appreciate it. And I thought, Shane, maybe he would need to hear this so that uh, he would not be angry at me anymore. But (laughs) I take my dog out on a walk every day. Uh, Cousin Joe can testify to this. When he came in, he walked the dog with me. You know, normally dog goes to the bathroom, whatever, and no no issue. I pick it up. I don't want to trash my neighborhood or anything. But uh, on this particular, I don't even know what day, January 2nd, dog did his business, and it was uh, pretty, it was not a pretty sight. And I, uh, you know how dogs sometimes when they go to the bathroom, they like kick their back legs? I was not anticipating that move from him, and I go to pick it up, and he just hit me right in the face with it. So oh, <laughs> that was karma for oh. me right there. Oh, man, that sucks, man. Oh, man, I can't imagine having to pick up your dog's poop. That That's just that – would so, I'd get a new neighborhood. That's what I would do. I, I'm not that guy. You know, I mean, I love my dog, but – if somebody got on to me about picking that stuff up, I'm moving. So, uh, but uh, I will say this, Mike, you know, I have bailed on you more times than you can count. 
and you've bailed on me once. All right. So let's just consider this even. All right. <laughs> we had a good time. We got to, we made a lot of money gambling. That was fun. Uh, and we had some really good games this weekend. Well, yeah. Well, let's get uh, right into it, Shane, because we got a ton of SEC news and we got uh, obviously these bowl games to break down. You ready mm-hmm. to uh, jump into another SEC domination bowl marathon here? Let's do it. All right, Chad. Well, obviously, we got to start with uh, the playoff game here where Alabama took care of business, beat the hell out of Notre Dame, 31-14. to It was uh, not really even as close as the final score would have you to believe. And incredibly, Notre Dame with Alabama took it, taking their foot off the gas there in the fourth quarter. They managed to cover, broke many a hearts, yeah, including did. Cousin Shane's. But, um, man, as soon as uh, Najee Harris leaped over – that uh, Notre Dame defender, I mean, that it was just the route was kind of on, and it and to me just, I mean, that's just signified that uh, Notre Dame does not belong on this on this stage. That's nothing we haven't been saying before. But uh, what what were your thoughts on this one? That I mean, that was it. This was total domination, and, and don't let the covering of the spread fool you. If you didn't watch this damn thing, well. You're probably not listening to an SEC podcast because, you know, this is a college football playoffs. Everybody wanted to see the Irish go down, myself included. It was, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie, Mike, when when they did let the foot off the gas, and we've seen this from a few of these faster teams, you know, uh, like Ole Miss, and when, when they, they just don't know what to do when they have the lead and they want to burn some clocks. And, and that kind of surprised me with Alabama. They got a little sloppy there at the back end. But when they wanted to play, buddy, they played. This could have easily been a 70-point game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac Jones, another terrific performance, 25 of 30, 297 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He was barely touched. They, Notre Dame had one sack. Najee had another huge performance, 125 on the ground. And Devonta Smith at this point, what can you say about the guy? Seven catches, 130 yards, three touchdowns. And if they, they, if they had the Heisman, after, you know, the votes after this game, mm-hmm. he definitely would have won. I, he probably still will win. That, that's going to be announced on Tuesday. So, I mean, he certainly didn't do anything to, to hurt his case. And Real quick, that's what I was going to ask you about. Did – a lot of these Heisman votes, don't they? Couldn't they have turned them in weeks ago? Is that isn't that how I understand it? Yeah, unfortunately, there's no window. Maybe like they probably really should have like a 24-hour window, and it should probably. Uh, I believe they can cast the votes like a week or two leading up to the conference mm-hmm. championship games, and then uh, the the day or t- the day after, I believe, is the last day to get those in. So. I, I kind of just wish the window was a little bit shorter because I do think people get them in early, and then mm-hmm. a guy like Devonta Smith that could end up hurting them. And and why in the hell would you hurt a guy like that who's just been so dynamic in these games that matter more than than the vast majority of them? You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree because you think the last two games, just how dominant he has been. If you would have asked me two Alabama games ago who was the Heisman, I could have made an argument for Jones. In fact, I did. Mm-hmm. Some were even making an argument for Trask. But now it's like not even close. It's it's not even a question in my opinion because of what he's been able to do, some of the amazing catches he's been able to make, playing hurt. I mean, this this kid is giving it all. And uh, and if I was to vote, I, I would 
I'd be upset if I voted any way different two weeks ago when I had the opportunity to vote for him now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is one thing we like to discuss on this show is just looking at the drive chart. Alabama started the game. <laughs> touch, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it was kind of like, it's almost like they, they shifted gears into neutral and just said, what the hell? I mean, let's not show Clemson or Ohio State too much. You know what I mean? So let's just <laughs> let's just go into it with this one. Notre Dame did respond with a nice 15-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, but that was about all they had until the, the very end of the game there when they scored. So, I mean, this it's kind of like we were saying, man, this is a damn joke of a matchup. Notre Dame had no business there, and – I know we say this every time they throw up the graphic. I think they're like 0-10 in BCS playoff games and all this, but somehow they keep getting in here. But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame, their two biggest games of the year, ACC title game, playoff game, not even competitive in either game. And, uh, you know, it's time to get them the hell out of here. You know what? Absolutely. What was that tweet that said something about the 31-point game last week or something like that? Do you remember that one? I think it's. Uh, I think it was. Man, Notre Dame has not got blown out by twenty something points since thirteen days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's a joke, oh, but it's true. I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, you cannot. You just can't have a team getting blown out and then turn around and say, "Well, hell, let's give them a playoff bid." Like that makes no sense. When exactly. We're gonna jump to the Aggies here in a moment here, but. They finished the season seven games in a row, winning by double digits. And hell, I mean, you're playing the entire SEC schedule, so there's no cream puffs in there. So I just, mm-hmm. I mean, we've kind of talked about this to death, but there's just no sense in, in allowing a team that just got damn blown out in their opportunity to prove that they deserved a spot to just to turn around and give them one. And, and honestly, another thing that, that ticks me off about the situation was these these damn hot takes from these national writers, and I, I won't mention your name, Danny, but <laughs> he came out and he was talking about, you know, the, the point difference between the Notre Dame loss and the Texas A&M loss. And I'm like, man, that's are, – are we just doing this for clicks? I mean, surely we are. This has felt like a clickbait thing because you cannot tell me right now that Texas A&M is a worse team than Notre Dame. Uh, because when you look at the loss that happened with Alabama, they were completely healthy, uh, Waddle included, and it was October 3rd. Uh, this is a different ball club now. So that's what I hate is these these damn point spread takes, and, and they say that Notre Dame played them tougher than Texas. That's not it at all. If you watch that game, if you have a pulse and vision, you could have clearly have seen that, that this was not even a ball game. Mm-hmm. Now let's kick it over to uh, Nick Saban. His post-game comments he discusses, uh, you know, the, the uh, what Notre Dame tried to do to them on defense in Alabama, how they made their adjustments there. He mentioned Devonta Smith's Heisman shot after this game, and then the best line he he delivered asked about Najee Harris jumping over the uh, Notre Dame <laughs> defensive player. Nick, the last few times you guys have played, the, the defenders have chosen to drop a lot of guys into coverage, sort of make you work down the field, but we've also seen you guys winning. Is there a comfortability knowing that you guys can play sort of any style that you need to to win? Well, I think you have to be able to play every style. Um, I think that you know, people get a beat on you in terms of you know what is successful against you, and you don't have answers for it. 
then everybody's going to do it, and they're going to take you know a lot of things away. I, I think the thing that was a little tough for us in the second half is we didn't run the ball very effectively in the second half. Uh, we wanted to try to take the air out of it. You know, at the end of the game, didn't have much success. Um, you know, they had the ball for almost the entire last eight minutes of the game, and um, so. But we have to be able to finish. You know, a little bit better. Uh, regardless of what style of defense anybody's going to try to play against us. And uh, I'm sure we'll learn from it and uh, hopefully do better the next time. To go back to opposing defenses, kind of sagging back and playing a more conservative style of defense, how, what are some of the checks that Sarkeesian has made to go against that? And how have the players executed those? Well, I think when, when you know, people play us that way, uh, you got to take what the defense gives. Um, you know, Mac threw a couple check downs tonight, which become catch and run plays for you. They're not the big time explosive plays that, you know, we sometimes make, but um, they do keep the, the chains moving. I think, you know, Najee had a couple great, you know, catch and runs today. I think he dropped one. Um, so, but I, I don't really think that there's anything from a style standpoint that is not something that we can attack. Uh, and that we'll have to attack it in the future. And, um, you know, when people play zone and they sag off, you got to throw the ball and take what they give. The key to the drill is if you don't get in long yardage situations, they don't really have the opportunity to do that because you can't do that on third and four or you still make a first down. So to have more positive plays on first and second down so you don't get in long yardage situations, which we got in too many long yardage situations today, especially in second second half um, and we, we didn't convert so but if we make those third down and four or five and six then it's hard to play that way and really stop them playing zone hey Nick Mac had uh, excuse me Smitty had another dominant performance tonight do you think this cements his Heisman Trophy chances you know we love it when our players get recognized and Smitty has done as much for our team as any player could do for uh, any team uh, so you know, we're so happy that he was recognized as College Football Player of the Year. Uh, I don't get the opportunity to see all players play and really know exactly, you know, what they've done for their team. Uh, I'd love to see another one of our players win the Heisman Trophy, and Smitty has done as much for our team as any other player who did win the Heisman Trophy, and they did a great job too. So, um, you know, I just don't like to make predictions about things, and um, – I, I, I love it when our players, you know, get recognized, and it would be a tremendous honor for him uh, if that happened. Nick, congratulations on the victory. I, I was wondering how you teach Najee Harris how to jump over whole football players. Well, I actually try to teach him not to do it, um, and it didn't work. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, for a big guy, it's pretty amazing that he can do that. And he's kind of got a great feel when a guy's going to try to cut him, right? which a lot of guys, smaller DBs, will all try to cut tackle, you know, bigger backs. And when he sees that head go down, man, he'll go over top of him in a heartbeat. So, uh, and it's been very effective for him. All right, Chance, so there you have it from Coach. You know, you got to like what he had to say here. And, you know, speaking of uh, Devonta Smith, that is one thing that uh, no, th they did a good job pointing this out during the telecast, but uh, there was the big run, I believe, by – uh, no, maybe it wasn't the run. I think it was a. I think it was the catch from John Mechie that uh, was like a forty-yarder where 
Mm -hmm. got Devonta Smith down here like 35 yards down the line blocking. And, you know, that's not to say that uh, there's not other All-American type players that that would or wouldn't do that. But I think it just goes to show that, you know, kind of the machine they have there at Alabama where, hell, even though this guy's putting up 130 receiving yards and scoring all these touchdowns, he's still a willing blocker in a damn blowout game all the way down Mm -hmm. the field. And I, I think that just kind of – that's everything you need to know about Devonta Smith. Yeah, and I think it, it, it it's going to pay dividends. This is – you know, those little things like that is what GMs are looking at. This is this may be the decision between a, a, the sixth pick in the draft and maybe the uh, third pick in the draft, you know. You just never know. But who's watching? And, and, and it's the moments that you're – that the spotlight's not on you that makes you the best player out there. Mm-hmm. So um, I love seeing this. You see it in the NFL, NFL, uh, you know, pro bowlers, and, and they'll 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 sometimes they'll they'll pay an in and they'll show a block, and it's just like, you know, sometimes that just that goes to the wayside. A lot of people are just thinking it's about catches. It's not, man. It's it's the total team effort, and that's what I love about uh, Smitty here. Mm-hmm. And uh, just quick thoughts, Shane, on on the other playoff game uh, for me. You know, Ohio State, I picked them to win, so I wasn't totally surprised. I didn't think they were just going to open a can of whoop-ass on Clemson, but mm-hmm. uh, that, that running back Ohio State's got is really impressive to me. I think he's going to be a problem for this Alabama defense. And then, of course, Justin Fields had six touchdowns, and he was injured, and so that'll be a storyline to watch. Alabama's opened as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Ohio State and the national championship. Uh, just what are your brief thoughts on that? I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss that game, you know, as the week goes on. Extremely brief, Mike. Um, you know, what do you do when you got two teams you don't like? Well, you don't watch them, you know? <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I watched one minute of this game because I did not. I, I, I caught the highlights the next day uh, just to see who Bama's going to beat. And that was about it. Uh, you know, I just figured if I could just get a little, you know, a little stab there in the ratings, maybe they wouldn't let one of these teams in next year. So, uh, I was just doing my part, but other than that, man, I think it's, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I, I predicted Clemson, you predicted Ohio state. Uh, so clearly you are right. And, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to talk this game up. I, I love the fresh comments that I did as I was sifting through some of the tweets, you know, there's just like talking about how, how, uh, I don't know. It's almost how relaxed and fresh Ohio state seemed while they were out there, you know? So those are the comments <laughs> and jokes that we heard all week, but they got a bus all waiting for them, buddy. Well, Hey, uh, let's, we'll get to these other bowl games here in just a minute, but there was so much news here that, uh, you know, I thought we could jump right into just kind of latest, basically all the speculation and rumors and news we got yeah. here in the coaching. And I got it, you know, because we're talking Alabama, let's just start there because shocking. I thought that, you know, the next day after Alabama's big win in the Rose bowl, uh, Steve Sarkeesian turned around and was announced as the new Texas head coach. They fired Tom mm-hmm. Herman, turned around and, and fired the offense or excuse me, hired Alabama's offensive coordinator uh, Steve Sarkeesian is uh, committed to staying with Alabama throughout the national championship, so that's good. But uh, just what are your thoughts on that one, Shane? Where, because to me, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is probably a lot better coach than I've given him credit for on this show. Yeah, and I think I think he's done a hell of a job play calling here. But 
It just seems like an odd move to me because remember, it was about this time last year we were, you know, there was Steve Sarkeesian was interviewing at Mississippi State and Mm -hmm. he almost took the Colorado job and, you know, no disrespect to those two, but going from those two to Texas, I mean, that seems like a huge leap. And last time I checked, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, not a great head coach during his time at USC and Washington. Both those programs got better when he left. Uh, but uh, what what are your thoughts on, on Sark getting the Texas job? Well, first, my first comment was, honestly, Nick Saban, it just blows my mind. Just, just the absolute machine that he's running down there. Not just the recruits, but the coaching. I mean, it's just... It's it's just an absolute unit, and you come in, you you don't have, I mean, you're you get fired. Typically, that's what it is. It's rehab. You you sit down there and you come out with a better job. That's that's <laughs> the thing. It's, it's Texas is a Texas is like a, like there's five teams, Mike, in in the country that are like bucket list jobs. Mm-hmm. And Steve now has sat at two of those with USC and now Texas. So kudos to him. Kudos to, uh, I'm, I'm sure Jimmy Sexton had a little something to do with this, but <laughs> I, I just, this, this blows my mind and you know, it's, it's a, it's a big risk to take when you, because when you look at Alabama, we don't really talk about the coaches that much. We talk about all the talent that's on that team. So how much was that with Steve? How much of that is just, you know, five star talent around you. So I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a big risk, but I, I'm proud. I'm happy up, happy for him. You know, uh, anytime you can see another SEC coach uh, take another job, you know, I, I'm pumped up. But uh, it's to Texas, and I don't like Texas, so I got to start not liking <laughs> Steven. So see how this works, Mike? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sticking on that theme, uh, it was uh, Shannon Terry, the founder of uh, 24-7 Sports and all that. He mm-hmm. reported on Sunday that old Bill O'Brien, former Houston Texans, former Penn State head coach, was down at a- Alabama, down there mm-hmm. meeting with uh, Saban. And then here on Monday, Bruce Feldman reports the same. He says uh, Nick Saban is looking at Bill O'Brien and former New York Jets and Miami Dolphin head coach Adam Gase. Those are the two candidates right now to be the next offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. And you want to talk about rehabbing your reputation. I mean, these are two guys that, uh, you know, obviously both getting fired. But it's just wild to me, Shane, that uh, here in Alabama they need a coordinator. And now you're talking two guys with multiple head coaching stops. And both of them worked, I believe, with Bill Belichick. And yeah, um, it's just it's just wild that, uh, that they can get these guys if they can. But uh, I don't know, thoughts on those names, which – which one is more appealing to you, I guess, Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase? Uh, Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, I just – I don't know if I can handle Gase's eyes down here in the SEC, but <laughs> the one thing about Bill and his chin – I'm sorry, I'm just picking on him. I like – the thing about Bill O'Brien is everybody wanted him. When he was coming out of Penn State, you know, he was he was a hot commodity. He goes down there to Texas uh, and Houston, and, and I thought he did a fair job. I don't think he did a terrible job, but, you know, he – he let he let the offense go. You know, he had an offense coordinator, and he kind of – I just think that's what he's really good at. And this – if he does go down to Alabama, I think he's going to be a one-year guy 
I really do. I think he sticks down there for a year. He lands him another position. He, it's. I don't think he needs as much rehab as as maybe Gase would. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you know, I almost think he may not need any, but maybe yeah. maybe I this mean, this is maybe uh maybe a little bit different. Maybe he's just gauging how much interest he's got out there, and maybe he doesn't have what we anticipate he would. But and think how think how big that hire is bringing somebody that was a head coach at an NFL team to your staff. And next thing you know, he's in the locker. I just, Bill Bright, he's got the face, man. He's got the face of the NFL. People know him. And if he's sitting there in, in the, you know, the living room with your, with your kid and you're talking football and NFL, I mean, that's, I just, I think he's going to be able to, you think Bama's a hell of a recruiting machine now, just wait till he gets down there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's uh, jump on down to Gainesville real quick where, man, these are the hottest rumors going on right now. Yeah. This is the the big one here. Dominoes could be falling all across college football and potentially the NFL because uh, this all started. I mean, these rumors have been out there, but it's one thing for just, you know, Joe, whoever, to be tweeting out about Dan Mullen's interest in the NFL, but... Uh, Adam Schefter reported it on ESPN on Sunday. And then uh, here on Monday from Saturday down south, Matt Hayes, he reports that uh, the Florida administration and Dan Mullen mm-hmm. are basically not not speaking at this point. And, you know, it's a, it seems like there's a fractured relationship. I've heard similar from other people down there in Florida that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Dan Mullen's act is, is wearing a little thin. It's one thing to, to have – these bizarre pressers when you win, but when you end the season, three losses in a row, this was Florida's opportunity to, to win big this year. And they kind of, you know, they lost aside from Georgia, let's give them credit for winning the Georgia game, but the rest, I mean, they, they didn't, you know, they lost all the other key games. So a lot going into this one, Shane, no, nothing confirmed as of Monday, but what are your thoughts on Dan Mullen? potentially leaving the Florida Gators and going to the NFL? Well, I'm, I'm kind of torn here, Mike, because, you know, clearly as a volunteer fan, I would love for his ass to leave Florida, but I just, this is two years in a row and I, and I'm seeing a lot of feedback from Gator fans online that they don't want a coach that doesn't want to stick around this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Florida is another one of those really desired positions and, and you want a coach that wants to, to to retire there. That's that's your goal. And, and you, you got Dan here a couple years in, and and every year that he's done, it's it's these NFL rumors. And he, Dan really wants to go. Well, well, there's smoke. There's usually fire, Mike. So I think that he does want to go. And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't jump on some sort of opportunity at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, this was always the case there at Mississippi State. He tried to leave year after year after year. Mm-hmm. He finally got to Florida to to give him the the offer, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that obviously Scott Strickland was the Florida AD, and he was previously at Mississippi State, so they had that relationship. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, Dan Mullen is a terrible interview, so who knows if he's going <laughs> to handle these NFL interviews that well, but you know, beside aside from all his quirkiness, I mean, I think he's a hell of a coach, and oh, of course. I, I think Florida would be foolish to run him off. I don't, and I'm not suggesting that they are going to run him off here, but I kind of see what you're saying too, where the you know the this is what 
Mississippi State fans, a lot of them were in, de- were in denial, and this happened basically every offseason to the point where they just stopped believing the rumors. They thought he'd never leave, and then mm-hmm. he up and up and left and beat him the next year. So this is just an interesting one because I think Dan Mullen, you know, I just said he's a great coach. I really do think he is, but some of this stuff I don't know if he's suited for, or maybe that's not the right word, but better suited for the NFL to where – you know, he can just focus on the matchups and play calling and, and developing a quarterback. Yeah. He doesn't have to deal with recruiting. He doesn't have to do, deal with, you know, they still have press conferences, but I don't think, you know, let's say he goes up to New York. You think they're they're going to write articles on about what he says, but I don't think New York people are going to give a damn about, you know, anything other than how his team performs on the field. Right. Whereas we just devour everything these coaches say here at the SEC country. But I don't know. It's interesting. I, you know, you hear the Urban Meyer speculation out there too. I'd, I'd rather have Dan Mullen, I think, if I'm running an NFL team. I think he makes a lot more sense than uh, Urban. And again, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's going to take a job, but it certainly seems to be leaning that direction. And I can't – I have no idea where the Gators would turn here, but – that's got to be a very, very attractive spot for any coach out there. Absolutely, man. And and I think that's one thing you got to look like. When, I'm just looking at like a like a GM. You know, there's a lot of vacancy positions. There's 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 a couple positions that they're still expecting to open up in the NFL. So there's a lot of jobs out there. And you know, the NFL's a lot different than college because it really does matter about quarterback play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and that you can say what you want, but look what he's done with Kyle Trask. Look what he's done with, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, these, he, he has created some fantastic quarterbacks and not just like one, one hit wonders. We're talking about guys that are, I mean, you saw Dak almost came back and won uh, a playoff or against the playoff team yesterday. So, this one thing that's what I'm looking at. If I'm a GM, I don't care how he talks. I don't care about the, 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 all that BS. I want somebody to come in. I want somebody to mold my quarterback, identify talent. And that's one thing you watch a Gator game. It, it's, it's, he knows what he has and he puts his best players in the best spots to have the best opportunities to, to have the best outcome. And that's, that's what you got to do in the NFL. So he's got the pieces and it, and you know, I, you may want to turn this off if you're a Florida fan or it's too late, you're upset at me, but I just, I, I don't see Dan as a lifer uh, in, in Florida. And that's not what, that's not what the Gators need. The Gators don't need to worry about their coach every single off season. You know, I think they, they need to get a coach in there that, that understands that program and 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 wants to just like I said live and die with Florida Gators. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina, real quick, Shane. Where the Gamecocks, man, Shane Beamer. You know, we were wondering when the hell are they going to get these major upgrades they promised on the coaching staff. Well, they landed one here because they stole away Arkansas receiver coach Justin Step. He was uh, one of the better coaches on that Sam Pittman Razorback staff. He was the mm-hmm. only one that uh, Coach Pittman kept over from the Chad Morris era. Say what you want about that era, but uh, they recruited receivers really well under Chad Morris. They continued to do that under Sam Pittman. We saw guys like Burks emerge this year. 
Davion mm-hmm. Warren just had his best career season there as a Razorback. So uh, Mike Woods was he was developing into one of the best deep ball receivers in the SEC. I thought towards the end of the season. So man, this is a big blow to Arkansas and a huge coup for South Carolina. Justin Stepp mm-hmm. went to Furman. He's from South Carolina, so I think that had a lot to do with it. But uh, and one other thing here, they announced this on Monday, Shane, but uh, every one of Shane Beamer's assistant coaches got at least a two-year deal, and the guys that he kept on from the Will Muschamp era, they got a contract extension, so they're all up for two years too. And for those that don't know, a lot of these assistant coaches, their deals are year-to-year, so – Mm-hmm. that's just an extra commitment that South Carolina is publicly putting out there that, uh, Hey, we believe in our guy. We believe in, you know, the, the assistant coaching's moves that he has announced. And, uh, you know, that that's the perfect way to start off this Shane Beamer era, in my opinion. And we, and we still got a defensive coordinator to be determined there. It sounded like could be Derek Mason. So more high profile hires could be coming here to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. All right, last one, and then we'll get back to these games here, Shane, but this was really bizarre. Let's jump down to Nashville real quick. Make it down. Where new Vanderbilt coach Clark Lee, now this has not even been um, officially announced, So, but I, I think it is true because all, all his buddies here are, are retweeting the news, but apparently Vanderbilt has hired 247 Sports Director of Scouting Barton Simmons. Hmm as the the GM down there in Vanderbilt. And I've had brief interactions with Barton. I can't say that I know him, but I have had some interactions with him, and he's always been first class to me. I always thought he did an outstanding job at uh, 247 Sports, everything they're doing over there. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because now we got a former, you know, head of of arguably the best recruiting site, you know, out there. Uh, managing mm-hmm. Vanderbilt's roster and recruiting and all this. So it's different, but um, I think that's what you got to do at Vanderbilt. You got to be a little bit different. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this news? Yeah, it caught me off guard, but I'm with you, man. I, I think too many times we get caught in the same old, same old. It's it, kind of like this going back to Steve Sarkees. It's it's like you knew this. You knew when Steve got on that that staff, He's going to hang out for a year or two, and he's going to land another head coaching position somewhere. It's just you knew it. Mm-hmm. And then in the back of your mind, you're also like, yeah, in three or four years, they're probably going to be getting rid of his ass. You know, that's just <laughs> kind of what you, you – so it's like, why? Why didn't why, – why don't we break the mold, do something different? And this is doing something different. I love this. I, I think this is a great hire. Uh, you're, you're talking about identifying talent. There isn't a better man for identifying talent. Than, uh, than Bart. So I, I think this is a, I think this is a pretty, my eyebrows are raised because I'm curious what they're going to do next. Yeah. And uh, I believe they hired also someone off the, uh, not the baseball coaching staff, but, uh, but I think the baseball administration and obviously we don't talk much SEC baseball, but um, most people know that Vanderbilt's got maybe the best, one of the best programs here in the SEC. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting what they're doing up there in Vanderbilt, but, uh, it's, like I said, it's different, but clearly they need, they need to try something different to, to kind of break the mold of, of where that program's at. For sure. All right, Shane, before we move on here, I want to remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie. 
head on over to mybookie.ag today with that promo code that sec it's the most wonderful time of the year shane <laughs> we all deserve a win we all deserve a little extra money in our pocket and we all deserve to have a little fun so the only place you're guaranteed to get all three you know where that is shane mybookie.ag the only sports book that doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice this year we got gifts for everybody <laughs> sign on up today receive a ultimate stocking stuff or a 50 percent deposit match up to a thousand dollars using that promo code that sec that's t-h-a-t-s-e-c head on over to mybookie.ag they got uh, nfl football college football college basketball nba nfl mma they got it all head on over to mybookie.ag today using that promo code that sec head on over to my book he made the make the most of your holidays this weekend and strut into 2021 with some cash in your pocket doesn't that sound good shane oh i love cash mike <laughs> <laughs> well head on over to my bookie all right so let's uh let's jump back into this bowl action shane and there was a lot of games to pick from but i'm going with the most exciting one shane the peach bowl or as i like to call it shane cashing in early bowl because the Georgia Bulldogs, man, they were down. They rallied here against undefeated Cincinnati. Let's give Cincinnati some credit here. I thought, uh, you know, when it, when this thing was 21-10, to 10, it certainly looked like Cincinnati was in control. 79-yard rush by Jerome Ford was huge. Uh, this quarterback from Cincinnati, he impressed me. I, hell, I never even seen him play, but he looked solid. But, you know, the big story here, obviously Georgia made the big comeback. And the kicker, Jake Potter. Podlizny, first ever game-winning field goal attempt. Shane, 53-yarder, nailed it. Georgia won the Peach Bowl. And this could have been easily one of those games where, you know, we had to sit here and say, well, this guy opted out. This guy didn't play. It would have been a different story if if Georgia was at full strength. But it didn't matter, man, because Mm -hmm. JT Daniels come through once again, 392 yards passing. George Pickens continues to be a beast. Seven catches, 135, and he got the only touchdown pass JT Daniels threw. And Georgia, man, they gutted this one out. They had to, you know, they had to dig deep here and beat uh, probably the best G5 team in the nation this year. Thoughts on this one? Well, Mike, this one kind of upsets me a little because you're right. I did cash out. <laughs> uh, I mean, this thing, this this thing, like Georgia showed like there was like times early in the game they're just like oh, you're just thinking i mean you can look back at the text messages that we shared i was just like man they're gonna blow cincinnati out of the water and then and then it just like they just let cincinnati hang out and then they just d- kept doing dumb mistakes and and i just thought honestly uh there for a minute i, I thought that this is going to be one of those games that nobody on the team wants to play because you know bowl games they're just not like they used to be and, and, you know, bowl games were an event. Everybody wanted to go. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's playing. There's no opt-outs. There's none of that. You know, it's not like that anymore. And then you, on top of that with COVID, it's just even more. And we've had a lot of people opting out in the Georgia game. And, and I was afraid that that was going to catch up. Just, okay, well, my team leaders that I've listened to this entire season are no longer wanting to play. 
So I need to step up. And, and, and it just felt like Georgia took a little while to get going. But once they did, man, once they got fired up, once the, the fans got fired up, once the, the sideline got fired up, the get back coaches were active, you know, <laughs> this George, you couldn't stop them. Georgia was unstoppable. And, uh, that's what that's what I wanted to see. Just total SEC domination. Unfortunately, it, it took the fourth quarter and me opting out of a bet because I did right before that interception. <laughs> I opted out. I cashed out for like could have made seventy bucks. I ended up making like twelve bucks. That's where I was at. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, a little upset on that one, but I was really happy that Georgia was able to come back and beat them. Well, let's. What, uh, I mean, what an app. What about what a great finish too. By the way. Yeah, I mean, this was probably the most exciting. SEC bowl game that we had out there Mm -hmm. and you can sense that from Kirby Smart after this one let's kick it over to the Georgia coach talking about uh, you know his team's finish and the pride they took keep in mind this is a Georgia team that uh, I believe had basically no issues whatsoever with the COVID I know they lost the the Vanderbilt game that was on Vanderbilt that wasn't on Georgia Mm -hmm. and you know they may have a player or two may have been in the contact tracing but uh, I can't think of many players they didn't have for the season. So uh, let's kick it over to Kirby. Kirby, uh, obviously you've won, you've won a lot of big games. I think this is your 10th win over a top 10 team. But this season, this pandemic, to win in this style with your defense, shutting them down the last really two quarters outside that run, and then the offense, the long field, it looked like everything came together in the final minute. I don't know if it could have gotten any closer. Just your satisfaction level and – what this victory means to you now? Well, I'm certainly proud of our team, and I'm proud of the adversity we went through throughout the year with the pandemic. I don't think we played our best game today. I thought I give my hats off to Cincinnati. They did a really good job uh, defensively controlling our run game and offensively keeping us off balance enough with their quarterback run game, which we knew he was a good athlete. We knew he was a good runner. Probably didn't give him enough credit. We couldn't finish on him in the first half. And you know, they stole the touchdown right there at the end of the uh, half, and they stole one back in, 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 the, uh, in the start of the second half. But I'm really proud of these guys and how hard they fought. I mean, I don't think anybody really truly understands, not just Georgia, but how hard it was on entire college football to be persistent and go this long and practice this long. And I, my hat goes off to the, the guys in the room. Hey, hey, Kirby, obviously you guys are, are elated with, with the finish. If the kick had not gone through the uprights, do you think you would have an entirely different feeling heading into this offseason? I mean, is is it all right on that 53 yards? I said it before, Mark. You know, it was going to be the highs of high and the lows of low. And really, it, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You know, everybody believes in momentum. Um, I would feel much better if we just played our best game. And I don't think that we played our best game. And I want to give Cincinnati credit for that. They created some of that. But the narrative was out there that, you know, our team going to be here and, and they didn't want to. They didn't want to practice them. That was never true. Our guys practiced hard, and they played a really good, uh, motivated football team that was trying to remain undefeated. So, to answer your question, I would not feel any different, but the perception would certainly be different, all based off of two more yards or, or less, or however far he cleared it. Out. All right, Shane. So, hey, and adding to the momentum of this, if anybody missed it here on Monday, J.T. Daniels. Shared a little something on Instagram. Not a you know not a hundred percent official, but he just posted a picture of himself to be continued with with him in uniform, and it certainly seems to indicate that the you know that he's coming back. And I think that was always going to be the case. I don't think there was 
a real chance he was going to jump to the NFL just yet. I think he's got that in his future, but maybe not this year. And, uh, you know, I think, like I said, man, beating an undefeated Cincinnati team that lived up to the hype. They were a top 10 team. Mm -hmm. Georgia, you know, I don't want to say half the roster, but just, you know, many guys, many key guys out here. I just think this uh, this just goes to show that, uh, you know, we've had situations here where Georgia's team didn't show up in a bowl game, and it's it yeah. certainly looks like they got that fixed. And, man, I think uh, I think they got a ton of momentum. I've already said this once before, but I think they're going to be in discussion preseason number one. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so too. It really depends on who decides to come back. You know, right. you'd like to see uh, kind of like, you're, you're seeing it with Texas A&M now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing it with Arkansas. If they can get a couple of those kids to to rally and, and give it one more shot, Georgia could be a scary team next year, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, kick it on down to College Station next. Giga Maggies. Because the Aggies took care of business here in the Orange Bowl. And this was a really good game, Shade, for, for much of it. Uh, UNC actually jumped out to the lead if I'm not mistaken, here in the fourth quarter, 27 to 24. Mm-hmm. And at that point, ooh, they just scored a 75-yard <laughs> touchdown. I was thinking they got the momentum. What's going to happen here? And then, damn, Texas A&M, the Maggies, man, they just took con- just complete control <laughs> of the fourth quarter, scored three touchdowns to respond, win it 41 to 27. And it's pretty wild, Shane, when your team wins an Orange Bowl and just takes care of business with the 24-point fourth quarter. And, you know, maybe this is just a, because of the college football playoff, you know, not as much attention on these games. But, um, I, again, I thought this was this was like the next step for Texas A&M to prove mm-hmm. this wasn't a fluke. Number five probably should have been number four, should have been in that playoff ranking. But they had, you know, say, say what you want about these other teams opting out. Texas A&M, all their guys could have opted out. We, we saw that leading up to the season. You know, we had some opt-outs. But, man, it was, a, it was the exact opposite. They were totally bought in, dominated in the fourth quarter. And that's the difference between the Sumlin era and the Jimbo era where this Aggie group gets tougher as the game goes on. And that when that goes all the way into January, you know you got something special. And maybe maybe the Aggies, like you said, depending on who comes back, we don't, we don't know all yet. They have announced uh, Javen PV, Cam Buckley. They have announced they're coming back, but I think you got to put mm-hmm. the Aggies potentially in that top five, top hell. I mean, if they get Kellen Mond, that's a huge if. Maybe put them in that number one spot. Thought, thoughts on Texas A&M's big win here? Well, for starter, if you haven't seen PV's uh, video for coming back, it's by far the best. talking about the opposite opting out man this guy is all in and coming back next year and this game man a little frustrating not gonna lie because i had the most money i had on any game was this one here and uh it was a slow start but like you said a big finish it was almost like their season summed up in one game (laughs) you know a little little sluggish up front you know you had your vanderbilt your your Bama games, but then all of a sudden you just took off, you took care of business, and that's what they did, and that's what matters. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, and these guys just whooped up on some Tar Heels, so I really love seeing that. Yeah, and I saw some feedback. You know, there some people say, well, this is a boring game, this is a boring team, they don't just don't excite me. You know what excites me, Shane, is having 
232 passing yards, 225 rushing yards. That's what the Aggies did. And when you keep it that balanced, you're just so dangerous. You get to the red zone six times. You you convert all six times. You don't turn the ball over. You know, that may not be, you know, like these 60-point games we see from Alabama, but, you know, newsflash, it's because they got eight NFL receivers and and, and five exactly. NFL linemen and an NFL running back. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody's got that. So, Jimbo, not to say they don't have talent. They certainly do, but – it's just a different approach. It's a more methodical approach, and that's why they dominate in the fourth quarter because teams can't hang. You can only contain. Mm-hmm. It's like you can only contain this rushing attack for so long. Six point four yards per carry for the Aggies, and maybe the highlight after the game change. You see Jimbo Fisher running from that Gatorade bath. <laughs> he was asked about oh, he was asked about that after the game. He was asked about Anaya Smith and, and Spiller and their huge performance. And then he got the question. I was I was gonna mention this. I'm glad he got asked about it, Shane. His third year at Florida State, do you know what uh, the Seminoles did? What's that? They won the Orange Bowl. Do you know what happened his fourth year there? Won a natty. They won the Natty, and they just won the, the Orange Bowl third year at Texas A&M. Let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher. Hey, Coach, kind of to start you off on a humorous note, I was wondering if you could kind of touch on your explosive speed in avoiding that great battle. Wow. Now, if you saw me 30 pounds ago, I, I really had some explosive speed. That was out of necessity, not wanting to get wet. But uh, I, 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 I say I'm not very good for a long time, but I am good for one time. <laughs> Okay, and then kind of on an unrelated note, I was wondering if you could touch on how you think the results of this bowl game kind of sets a tone and a precedent for moving forward and what y'all are expected of in the future for AM football. Well, first and foremost, I think understanding how to play on the big stage. You have to be able to go to these games, understand everything it went with and understand everything that happens with it and under, the pressures with it, the anxieties with it, the preparation for it, and then to perform when you have to perform and do what you have to do to get it done. And that's all a learning curve. People don't understand. You think you just line up and play any game. This is a different stage. This is a different environment. It's a different atmosphere. And you have to learn that. And I think hopefully in our seniors laid that groundwork and our young guys will remember and now they'll pass it on. Uh, Coach, how instrumental were Anaya Smith and Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller in today's game? Isn't it great? Listen, Anaya had catches the blocks. That guy does everything. He could sell popcorn at halftime. He played fullback in the game. He led us on ISOs. I mean, he caught punts. He had 125-yard receiving. He runs the ball. I mean, he does everything. Spiller is just a worker. He's been a 1,000-yard back, one of the best backs in all of the SEC. He's only a sophomore. I mean, just a tremendous future and a tremendous football player. And those guys are they're, they're a big part and a huge part of our backbone. Hey, Coach, I know a lot can be said about um, uh, Achain and what he did, but uh, how important was it for the offensive line to kind of make a little bit of a turnaround there in the fourth quarter and, and the holes that they were opening up for him after maybe a little bit of a slow start? You know, you, you know, trying to put your will upon somebody's hard. But let me tell you something, those guys up front, for us, they keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. They had some tough moments. We got knocked back on the goal line a couple times, which we haven't had happen. We had some other things happen, some pressures that we haven't had. We had three sacks. We had four all year. I mean, to give them credit, they had a very good team and very good plan. But the one thing about these guys, there's no quit in them. There's character, there's toughness, and that's where that line, being able to get back in those last few minutes of the game and be able to take it over. And do you see any similarities between this year and your third year at Florida State? I knew that was coming. Just the way the program. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we won the Orange Bowl our third year. I, I, and I'll take the fourth year just like it was there, too, I promise. But, you know, that's, that doesn't happen without a lot of work. It doesn't happen a lot of circumstance. And there's a, is the ability and, and the vision there? Yes, and that's our plan. That's what we want to do. But now we got to go back to work. 
24-7 in the fourth quarter, and North Carolina had been a fourth-quarter team, too, all season long. But what's it say about you guys that not only in this game, but down the stretch, you guys just owned the fourth quarter? Well, that's – I mean, listen, and you can say, say I told listen, our kids work hard. They play hard. It matters to them. They care. You don't put that much work in and then give it up. You learn to raise your game in the fourth quarter, and you, like, and you don't win because you want to. You win because you practice and prepared to. And we practice them hard. We put them in those situations each every day, and we, we demand excellence out of them. But I can demand it all I want. they got to get it out of themselves. My utmost respect for our players, they rose their game. They did what they had to do in every fourth quarter all year, and they take a lot of pride in that. All right, Shane. So, man – we were hyping up Texas A&M during the offseason. Mm-hmm. And a lot, you know, you get you always get the, the same reaction when you do that. Oh, God, here we're, rat, we're hyping up the Aggies. I don't think we can say that anymore because they've lived up to the hype this year. And they're going to be mm-hmm. returning a ton of guys, signed another great recruiting class. I don't want to jump too far ahead here, Shane, but I don't think it's crazy to say that Texas A&M, just like Georgia, is going to be in the national championship conversation heading into next year don't you think oh yeah definitely I mean they were this year and then we had some opt-outs and Mm -hmm. you know a little little drama in the off seasons and and you know we weren't expecting that so I think it it really matters similar to Georgia who's coming back if if we've got a a handful of these guys coming back I think Texas A&M that's one thing about this program is 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 they're just so balanced and you you think of good i mean because a&m's had some good teams what was it 2012 was a good year you know that was a that was an exciting fun team to watch but just what we're this is boring at times i get that the the defense the you know the offense is focused on the running game it, it gets a little monotonous but what matters is that score at the end of the game and uh and, and that's what I mean, that's what we're here for, man. It's all about the score. So I, I think uh, I think A&M's got a real good shot to uh, to make some noise next year. But it really is going to lean on on some of these upperclassmen and, and and what they decide to do. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to uh, Oxford next. We're at Ole Miss. Tardy, Ole Miss. Beat number I think eleven in the nation, Indiana here in the Outback Bowl, twenty six to twenty, and they had to get uh, kind of creative to do it because. You know, all basically season, the Ole Miss defense has been terrible, mm-hmm. but they stepped up in a big way in this one. And I know Indiana put up some yards and whatnot, but two forced turnovers were pretty big in this game. And uh, the, the Ole Miss defense, you know, especially to start the game, uh, they were just, you know, stifling. Only three points for Indiana at halftime, only six after three quarters in this game. And Matt Corral continues to play like he may be a Heisman contender next season. And how about our guy John Rice Plumley, man, coming up big, five <laughs> catches, seventy-three yards. One of them was a a forty-four yarder in the second half that that really got this thing going. And and here we got another team that was really affected by the opt-outs and injuries and all this, but it didn't slow them down. They didn't make any excuses, and they just got a huge. This is the biggest win so far of the Lane Kiffin era, I think. Are you kidding this? Four, I mean, that's that's what people, this people that don't follow SEC football, that, that what they saw was the the, the power dogs of, of, what is this, Indiana? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know where this, is it Bloomingdale's? Is that where this <laughs> place is located? I can't remember. But, you know, they just, 
they're dumb. You know, this is their year, and they're they're going to come down. And they're going to whoop up on a four win Ole Miss team. Well, hell, man, I put money on. I, put, I took the money line on this game. I just knew them them Rebels were going to give them a shot, and that's what they did. They came out, punched them in the mouth, and and kudos to the defense. Uh, the defense this year has been ugly at times, but they made some really, really significant plays in this game to give uh, Ole Miss the opportunity to win. So uh, I got to give them a little shout out because I know they don't get any respect because it's always <laughs> about the offense, but they did a couple of things in this game that really surprised us. Uh, and, and it, it came down the wire, man. This, this one about gave me a heart attack there at the end, but uh, Ole Miss <laughs> came away with it for sure. And if you, if you missed it, Shane, Lane Kiffin, the same day of the game, leading up to it, they announced they've extended his contract. So he was asked about that. He was asked about the defense stepping up and on um, John Rice Plumley mm-hmm. playing some receiver for him when the, because they were down so many damn receivers here. Hey coach, I imagine it's a kind of a daily double day for you. The school announces you're getting a new contract and then you win a bowl game in dramatic fashion. A pretty good day in your football coaching career. Yeah, cool day for the program, um, for the players, for our fans. Again, to win a bowl game after five years not being to one. Um, You know, uh, contract extension, you know, showing both sides commitment to doing this thing. And like we said in the release, just getting started. So um, happened to get get done uh, this morning. It had been in the works for a while. And um, really good timing. So, like I said, just getting started. Lane, going back to the contract extension, can you tell us a little bit about what made you want to sign that extension this morning? Uh, we've just been talking about it for a while and, um, you know, just really love it here. Love the direction of the program. Um, Keith's been amazing to us, um, has a great plan for the future here. And we're on the same page about, you know, we're just getting started and we want to build a championship program. There's a lot of things we need to do to do that. After all the accolades your offense has gotten all year, how, how happy do you feel for those guys on the other side that it was them that kind of stepped up to secure this? Really happy. Uh, you know, we talked about it all week. We're going to need that. You know, we're not going to go score 60 points. Um, you know, you just can't do that without all those weapons. And first, a team that, you know, shut people down. I think they had a shutout um, last week, gave up whatever, seven points or something. So, you know, this is a really good defense, and you're down a lot of players. So we knew it was going to be a struggle. and. It was great to see a defense play like they did. Yeah, Lane, John Rice making those big plays at the end of the game, um, the 44-yarder, but also the big third down catch that was contested. A lot's been made of him in the offense this year, like thereof. Just what did you think about him and him stepping up in that way? I think that showed, obviously, we were down receivers. Um, I think we're down to four scholarship receivers, and so um, practicing all week. So for a guy to only play one week at receiver, come in, um, drop the first one. She's right here, so we can make fun of him. Um, but the third down play was awesome. You know, there's pass interference, and he caught it. And then obviously the big play after that, but, you know, just remarkable kid to be able to do that. I mean, you just can't do that. This isn't like Pop Warner. You know, we're in major college football playing the top 10 teams. You just go play receiver for one week and go in and make plays. It's really special. All right, Shane, so there you have it from Coach. And, uh, you know, speaking of guys returning here on Monday – Linebacker Sam Williams, uh, defensive back Tacarius Tisdale, and receiver Braylon Sanders have all announced that they're coming back to Oxford next season. And this is going to be a team to watch here where if they can get some 
you know, high-level play out of Matt Corral like they have been, and, and they minimize those games where he has a bunch of turnovers. I don't know, Shane. I mean, I, Ole Miss is going to be – they're going to be able to win every game they're in next year. Yeah. No, that's one thing. Ole Miss, it doesn't matter. They're one of those teams that just uh, just goes to show. You're, they're down all those receivers. It's like, yeah, let's put in the quarterback. Let's let him catch a few balls, you know. Just, <laughs> that's what they're able to do and what, what – Lane's been able to do with this offense. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's not a surprise that they gave him more money, but it is kind of a surprise that he hasn't filled it. Do you think, let me ask you, Mike, you're a gambling man. Mm-hmm. One year from now, is Lane Kiffin the coach at Ole Miss? Like, what what odds would you give right now? I'd, I'd give it a pretty good, maybe like 70%. Okay. So, three years from now, is he the coach at Ole Miss? Now, are you are we throwing out? Uh, are are you are you kind of assuming that uh, you know the rebels continue to rise, or or are we throwing in investigations, or <laughs> every everything <laughs> all included, or uh, scandals, or okay. yeah, maybe we shouldn't go too far down the, this rabbit hole. I just <laughs> I don't know. Are are you ruling that he that? he is not retained this year. Are you ruling that out? Because there's still a cu- couple of, there's still a couple jobs floating around uh, that haven't been filled up, you know? So well, I, I will say this, uh, you know, it just seems like every damn opening and I've even started to hear it in Gainesville where mm-hmm. fans just gravitate to this guy and it's not, you know, yeah. that is so huge, particularly, you know, is it because the- he's a household name? I think it's that, and I think it's because uh, he has exciting offenses. His teams are always exciting, and he says crazy stuff. And you know he'll get behind the brand, and you know he's he goes to these pressers. He's got barstool shirts on. He's on all their shows, and you know he goes on Fine Bob and he cuts it up with that guy. Um, I mean, there's just there's there's just a lot going on there with Lane Kiffin that it just energizes people, you know. And whether gotcha. whether it works or it doesn't, it's like spectacular to watch. You know what I mean? And I'm talking on and off the field. So I think as as time goes on, man, you need the, those ticket prices and, and people coming to the stadium. I think we would have had every damn Ole Miss game sold out this year if they were allowed to do it. And I think it it begin, begins and starts with Lane Kiffin. You know what? Yeah. Sorry, my grub hub's here, so we're gonna have to wrap this up, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Almost just done. Kidding, just almost kidding. done here. Just kidding, but seriously, it is here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no pressure. <laughs> Staying in the state, Shane. Let's uh, jump on down to Starkville next because what do you know, Shane? Another SEC team beat a ranked team in a bowl game. Mississippi State took care of business, twenty-eight twenty-six over Tulsa in the Armed Forces Bowl, and. Hey, we, mm-hmm. we had freshmen making plays all over the field. Uh, Zach Arnett's defense continues to play lights out. They're, they forced two, two turnovers in this one. It was a difference in the game. Will Rogers, he only had 148 yards passing, but it was a damn downpour. And uh, the player of the game here mm-hmm. was old uh, – I got his name written down here. Lulu Griffin, he goes by Lulu. His kick return, extraordinaire. He caught a touchdown pass as well that uh, basically won the game for Mississippi State. Had a kick return for a touchdown. Nearly had another. Hell, he almost had three that, that kind of went to the house. So, um, you know, again, not a sexy game. If you watched it, it was a damn downpour. 
And of course, the big takeaway everyone's going to be talking about at the end of the thing <laughs> is the damn brawl and the kick and the kick heard around the world and everything. But uh, <laughs> hey, if nothing else, you're a Mississippi State fan. You've been losing the last couple bowl games you played in. At least your team showed up here, beat a ranked team. And, uh, you know, that's the perfect way to, to end the first season of the Mike Leach era, don't you think? Definitely, man. And you got to feel good about your program. You got a true freshman out here leading a bowl victory. So, yeah, I, I think we're okay there. And it does suck about the final because that's what everybody wanted to talk about. Uh, there was a lot of good things that happened on that field. And, and it's just, it was, this was one of those games. It was nice to see some young talent emerge. And, and that's what they're going to have next year. So, giving the Pirate a little more time, you know, to get out of the stands and, and, and coach these boys, I think we'll be all right. Absolutely. Well, let's kick it over to Mike Leach, Shane, who talked about all the freshmen making the big plays in this game on uh, Lulu Griffin having, you know, a terrific game here. And then uh, on the post-game fight, of course, we got to get his thoughts on that. Yeah. A quick follow-up on that, too. Is that kind of enigmatic of the season that Will Rogers finds another freshman for the game-winning touchdown in the ball game to cap the year? Um, all our touchdowns were scored by freshmen, I believe, but um, uh, you could check it. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got some young guys that are enthusiastic and, um, <clears throat> developing into fairly gritty guys. And so, uh, we've just got to keep getting them better, but we, you know, we, um, <clears throat> can't be all over the map on finishing games. There's no, you know, I mean, being happy and, and dancing and looking at the crowd, that's for after the game, not during, you know. And not just a quick follow up on the actual game. You guys had about pretty even balance. I think you guys were 30 runs, 30 passes today. Was that by design or just kind of a product of a crappy day in terms of weather? Crappy day and crappy day. And, and that's what they're giving us. And then, I, you know, we, we've improved on that aspect. I mean, we're, we're doing a better job uh, on run blocking and in our backs as far as carrying the ball and which will as far as uh, seeing what to check when. We had some mistakes there, but I thought, uh, you know, some <clears throat> definitely some positives. Like pretty decent football game on both sides, given the conditions and whatnot. But it, it seems like all anyone wants to talk about right now is that brawl. How much do you think it maybe marred what you guys did out there on the field today? And, and how much do you think it'll be talked about going forward? I don't think it marred anything that we did out there. Uh uh whatsoever. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's dumb. I mean, the, the root of it's dumb, no matter what the root of it is, the root of it's dumb and <clears throat> the continuation of it's dumb. So I would have that solidly in the category of dumb. And now, uh, <clears throat> you know, where the dumb started, I, I'm not entirely sure. And, and I want to add quickly about Tulu. Just, it, it seemed like all day he kept providing you guys with a spark and, and things. And, and he's kind of, progressed here the last few weeks season just how big was Tulu's performance today both in the special team game and of course the late touchdown he's gotten better and better at the end of the season and um uh you know I thought he really did a good job I think Tulu was uh one of the big keys to winning this game think about Griffin what kind of you know his touchdown pass is a big deal but the kickoff returns even though one was called back have you seen that from him in practice and building up to this game? Yeah, he's done some good things that way for sure. And then, uh, and uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him get credit for the other one. I mean, uh, of course, uh, 
Well, that's another deal where others saw it uh, perhaps differently than I did. All right, Jade. So, I mean, how, I don't know if enjoys the right word, but just, you know, his kind of nonchalantness after all this. And hell, I mean, I don't really care one way or another, but it it is funny how when we have like this one moment and these coach comments and we get so many people freak out about all this. And I don't know if you saw it on the next day, Kurt Herbstreet was just oh, calling yeah. Mike Leach out and, and basically said, you know, was he crying? <laughs> uh, no, wasn't crying he, in this one. He basically called for Mike Leach to to get a control of his damn program and all this. But uh, I mean, that's laughable. But it, I guess just my I, point I, I is mean, I, how we over everybody overreacts to this stuff. Yeah, and, and I like Kerb. I give him I give him a hard time. You know, I just I just don't like. And, and it's what we're doing. We're talking more about the fight than we are about the damn game. I knew this was going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I was hoping we were going to talk about a true freshman, Will Rogers, you know, that, that, that found a way to get the, the position and, and come away victorious in a bowl game. So that's, that's what I liked. And obviously, you know, these guys were fired up uh, clearly at the end of the game. You know, there's a lot of people talking about that they're letting some calls go during the game. You know, they just let these boys play. And, and sometimes that's what happens when you do that. You gets a little chippy there at the end and but needless to say it was our uh, one of our first SEC victories in the bowl season so I was happy to see it. <laughs> well, I think sometimes when you get these teams like a Tulsa, you know, they want to prove that they they belong and they want to yeah. they want to embarrass SEC teams so it gets kind of chippy, but uh mm-hmm. man, we weren't we weren't messing around with that and Mississippi State took care nope. of business. Yes, sir. All right, t- uh, speaking of taking care of business, Shane Kentucky beat another Another SEC team beat a ranked team in a bowl game. Kentucky beats NC State 23-21 in the Gator Bowl. And uh, this mm-hmm. one was all about the running game for the Wildcats, much as like it's been all season, because Terry Wilson only had 99 yards passing. But it didn't matter because Rose and Rodriguez combined for over 200 yards. Uh, Kentucky had 281 on the ground, two touchdowns, and they intercepted NC State quarterback Bailey Hockman three times to – to put away NC mm-hmm. State. This was uh, not the most entertaining of game, I would say. It was again it was uh it was like a less effective Texas A&M here on the field because it was <laughs> defense and running game and and there was mistakes, a ton of flags in the second half, but think about all that Kentucky's been through this year with, you know, there's tragedies and there's and there's players dealing with one issue after another, but they could have packed it in Again, this is a team that could have opted out all over, up and down the roster. Instead, they finish with a huge win over South Carolina. They come back. They get to go to Florida for the Gator Bowl and whip NC State's ass in a bowl game here. I mean, this is a perfect ending for uh, for Mark Stoops and a, and hopefully a springboard for you know righting the wrongs that happened this year. And, and Kentucky's always one of those safe bets too in gambling in a bowl game. It's just. Whatever it takes, these boys play for coach, and, and and Mark gets these guys fired up. You know, I'm sure, just what you said, there was a lot of tragedy. There was a lot of there's a lot of storylines coming out of Lexington, and you know, this team just came out and got the job done. And and yeah, it wasn't wasn't a pretty game, but I will say this, man, that that last part there in the second half, I man, it was pretty damn entertaining, especially if you're a gambler. <laughs> so when we had that interception, and Rodriguez got that touchdown, I was, I mean, it was. It was like, hell yeah, baby. So uh, it, it 
It was sluggish at times, but uh, it ended the right way with Kentucky winning. All right, let's kick it over to Mark Stoops real quick, who talked about uh, you know the emotional season, ending it on the right note. And uh, he did not want to talk about Kentucky's passing game here. Mark, it was obviously such an emotional season for a wide variety of reasons. Just how important was it for your guys and, and just the moving forward to close it with a happy moment, a celebration you know, after everything you've been through? I think it's very important. Um, you know, again, you know, it's been well documented, the, the investment, and, and it's also been, you know, well documented the toll that it's taken on all players across the country. And to once again, see our players step up and want to do that and travel back and forth uh, during their break after, you know, really mentally being exhausted and still laying it on the line all the way through to the fourth quarter says an awful lot. You know, we talked about in chapel last night about finishing, uh, you know, with Aaron Hogue that always does a remarkable job. I talked about it this morning. I addressed it. One of the last things I said when we left the field was uh, recognizing um, you know, Chris Oates and, and John Schlarman and, and, you know, having them, their memories in our mind today and, and uh, wishing they were with us. So very emotional year, but uh, great to cap it off with a big victory. Hi, Coach. Uh, I think you finished today with 99 yards passing, uh, and I know you, you want to evolve in that direction toward more balance. I wonder if you could maybe uh, see, uh, speak to uh, how you see that developing. Uh, over the next year or two and uh, and how quickly you can get to where you want to be. Yeah, well, we're going to, you know, this is, uh, we're going to say goodbye to 2020 today, you know, so uh, it's on to the future. So, um, you know, really greatly appreciate the win and, uh, but also uh, very excited about the future of Kentucky football. So we'll address that uh, when I get back in January. I need, I need a few days off. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, Max Duffy seemed to have his magic back at full strength today. Did you get a good look at, at the one where he eluded the rush and, and got that kickoff? And can you talk about just his contribution, Yeah, you know, especially in the second half? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, field position was such a big deal in this game. Um, you know, and what he did on that uh, – on the, on the punt was uh, – you know, when I was watching it live, I'll have to look at it, but, uh, you know, really uh, big time play and uh, just goes to show you how savvy he is and how talented he is. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful for his background with uh, Aussie football right there on that play because, uh, you know, to have the confidence in that to elude the rush and, and then punt it the way he did. Um, he's just a talented guy, he really is. He's got more tricks up his sleeve too. I wish we would have had him for for more years, but uh, like I said before, we're, we're grateful bringing another Aussie. All right, Shane, so there was from Mark Stoops, but, uh, you know, speaking of what's to come for next season, I'm going to run down this list just real quick. Guys that have announced they're coming back, receiver Josh Ali, tight end Justin Riggs, defensive backs Zach Johnson, Devonta Robinson, Quandre Mosley, Yosef Corker, defense alignment Josh Paschal, and both starters on the right side of the line Darren Kennard who, who he's probably going to be a preseason All-American and Luke Fortner I mean that's a that's a ton of seniors coming back and this is uh you know this is almost like what we're seeing across the SEC with some of these first year teams but I think mm-hmm. I think these Kentucky players are just so pissed off that the season went the way it did when there were so such high hopes that they want to come back and and kind of show that uh you know they are worth the hype 
And man, I this is a team now. I got to be careful because we hyped them up too much in the off season, but I'm about to hype them up all off season again. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, you could do that when you got that many upperclassmen coming back. So um, that's what you like to see, man. Uh, this wasn't the year that they wanted by no means. They they had big, you know, you talk to any Kentucky fan this time last year, they had big expectations, and you know, it's been a wild ride to get to this point. So I like the fact that they're coming back and. Now, as a Vol fan, I'm not too happy. You know, I, I wish these guys would move on. But, you know, as a as an SEC fan, I, I'm excited to see what, they, what they're able to do next year. All right, last game, Shane. Let's jump on down to the Plains real quick where Auburn, I know they lost. We got to talk about it, though. But uh, they, <laughs> they lost to Northwestern 35-19 to in the Citrus Bowl. And you want to talk about an ugly one, Shane. I mean, uh, Bo Nix, <laughs> it was rough out there. And, who knows? This this may have been his last game as an Auburn Tiger. It certainly seems like some a lot of people seem to be suggesting that. I I have no idea if he's coming back or not. We know he was a huge Gus guy, but you know he's lived and breathed that program. I I think he'll stay. It's kind of hard for me to imagine Bo Nix in any other uniform than an Auburn one. But this was not his better performance here. And uh, you know the defense for the most part in the first half played really well. I know Northwestern came out and scored on the first possession. That was a rough look, but they kind of settled down there towards the fourth quarter, and and Auburn made a little mini run. It looked like they were going to potentially get in this thing, but they just – I mean, they were just basically totally ineffective. That's what we've seen from Auburn with no Tank Bigsby in the lineup. He didn't play again. Now there's questions about his future. Is he going to stay at Auburn? I mean, that would be devastating if he lost – and once the offense just failed to manufacture much, it, it seemed like the defense just kind of, I don't want to say quit, but, you know, your, your morale gets broken when, you, when your offense is just doing nothing out there. And aside from the big 57-yard throw to Elijah Cannon, I mean, that, that was about all she wrote. At least let's give yeah. Bo Nix credit for he got hurt, unfortunately, but he, he finished out the game. He came back. So, you know, he's not a quitter. You, you can say a lot of things about Bo Nix, but he's not a quitter. But uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the final Auburn game of the season here? Rough, uh, extremely rough. I, I had to, I had money on these guys with a, a parlay with Georgia, <laughs> and, man, I pulled out quick on this one because I just – it just didn't feel like they were in it, man. Uh, it, it felt like – I will say this – you know, something you touched on there, just, it, it does feel like Bo gives 110% every single game. There, there's no lack of effort. It's just, he just didn't have anything else. There was nothing else. There was, there was not, none of that stingy defense that I thought we'd get to see, or, or the, the running game was shut down. It was just, they just weren't there. And now we had a lot of opt-outs right before this thing. And, and Lord knows what was going on in the locker room. You know, you, you, you say what you want. The, the players love Gus, and, and now he's not there. It's I can only imagine what was going through their minds. So uh, I'm not going to hang it on the players. This one, uh, this one, just the, the guys weren't prepared for, and, and Northwestern was – they're there to make a statement, and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, since the game has ended, Seth Williams going to the NFL, Eli Stove as well, so – we may have just a total rebuild here with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Brian Harson and everything going on at Auburn. So that's it for the game, Shane. Like I said, hell, we only had two losses in the SEC. 
We got Alabama in the national championship. So SEC potentially had another W to that bowl record. But man, it was uh it was a it was another dominating performance for the SEC, wasn't it? It was a fun one too. It really was. There was a lot of really good games. Uh, a lot of good down to the wire. I mean, they were just pure entertainment is values. It was great. And uh, I'm really looking to, I'm looking forward to see what, uh, what Alabama does this week. Uh, especially, did you hear Waddles may be back? He's in practice. Did you hear that? Yeah. So that could be great for Alabama to get another weapon here. Not that they need it. My goodness. I mean, they look dangerous as, as hell, but uh, Waddle, I'd love to see him get to finish his career on the field. And man, I that'd be good. Yeah, so that that'll be fantastic. But uh, hey, I know you got some food delivered here, and uh, so we're gonna hop <laughs> off the off the line here. But uh, hey, we may have to be hopping on to do an emergency podcast because I'm here. Yes. Things are getting icy on Rocky Top. So what a what yeah, a we call that a teaser there. But uh, <laughs> we all thought Jeremy Pruitt was coming back. They that may not be the case based on what I hear. Of course. This seems to change by the day, change by the hour. So um, you got anything else here before we before we hop off here? No, that's it, man. It was a fantastic weekend. And like you said, as soon as we hear something, we're going to jump back on here. And we may not hear anything. It's just the old rumor mill, like you said, Knoxville is, is, is fired up, just like all these other places. Mm-hmm. You know, Gainesville, they're dealing with it down there. They don't know uh, who's going to be the coach next year. And... Uh, you know, we're dealing with it up here. So it's it's all around the country. We're not alone. But uh, uh, but that's that's what it is. It's, we're, we're getting into talking season, Mike. People are, are talking. <laughs> yeah, so this is the time of year you got to have them notifications on because you need that's to know right. as soon as something happens. But uh, gotcha. and, and watch out for those fake Twitter accounts, guys. They look good. <laughs> that You know, you think you're tweeting Adam Schefter and you find out it's – it's his, you know, 49 follower, Adam, Adam Schefter. You know? <laughs> did you see ESPN got fooled with that today? No, did they? Yeah, they they were the they reported uh, the Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator got fired when it was a, a fake Schefter online. They just saw it on online and said it on Sports Center. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. Yeah, always always look the bio, guys. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me as always, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. <laughs>